they get consumed by having it, by having its power and by having its glory. And so to some extent, this encounter with Jesus and the disciples um, on, on the way to Jerusalem shows just the blinding power of glory and fame that the disciples want to have. And so um, tonight we're going to see, though, that Jesus reveals his ultimate purpose in the midst of that confusion. He's, he's going to uh, um, show us really what does it mean to serve him and to lay down our life for him. And so I'm going to look at three things. We have to repent of the blinding nature of self-glory. We have to recognize that Jesus' mission is different than our selfish mission. And thirdly, the power to do that is only when you allow Jesus to serve you. Okay? So the first thing we see is the blinding nature of self-glory. So Jesus is approaching Jerusalem, and he had just spoken about his death uh, and how he would go to Jerusalem and how he would be um, arrested and he would be put on trial and he would be spit upon and mocked and, and then um, killed on a cross. And this is actually the third time that Jesus talked about his death as he goes to Jerusalem in the Gospel of Mark. He talks about this in Mark 8, 9, and 10. And um, as they, but as they go, every time Jesus talks about his, his, his ultimate purpose, the climax of why Jesus came, to die for sinners, to rise again, right? Every time he talks about this, the disciples totally misread it and they don't understand it. In chapter 8, Peter gives a confession. Jesus says, I'm going to the cross to die, Peter says, not over my dead body, basically. You, I will, I'll have none of it, Jesus, you going to the cross. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. And then chapter 9, he uh, says a similar thing. I'm going to the cross. Three days I'll rise again. And um, again, they, they ask uh, if they can sit on his right hand and left hand. Um, and again, here in this chapter, in chapter 10, um, Actually, chapter 9 is they want to be the greatest. They say, they say, they argue about who will be the greatest. And in chapter 10, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, the sons of thunder, uh, come up and ask the same thing. Um, and they want to be on his, he says this, Teacher, we, mu we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. How arrogant is that? And they said to him, Grant us to sit one at your right hand and one at your left, in your glory. The love for glory, the fame, um, they were blinded by it. Jesus had been speaking about his ultimate purpose, climax. These disciples had been with Jesus for three years. This is at the end of the time. And they had missed it because they were so consumed with um, themselves and with their own glory, their own fame, uh, their own connection to Jesus, this incredibly popular person who thousands of people were following, and he was doing these healings and all of these things, and they were, it's almost like they were, they wanted to be, they were part of the entourage, the 12, right? And now they were expecting um, his kingdom to come immediately, and they would be set up on these thrones. And so, 
I remember just kind of watching, like growing up, um, this is how old I am. Like I remember as a kid watching the Muhammad Ali uh, boxing matches, his championship bouts in the 70s against Joe Frazier and everything. And it was always really interesting that, and they still do it today. Whenever you see these boxers or these UFC fighters come into the ring, they always have like all these other people with them, like this big entourage that's coming in. You know, they're all in their hooded sweatshirts or whatever. And uh, it's almost like, you know, who are these guys? Ultimately, they're probably just wanting the money or, you know, I'm sure some of them, they have specific jobs. But in some ways, if you have fame and if you have money, you're always going to have people trying to get at you and get close to you. And to some extent, it's almost like the disciples are doing that. But this story, you know, as you think about the application here, this story should be a gut check for all of us because, um, uh, you would think that these disciples who are really close to Jesus would know by now that Jesus was going to the cross and he was going to die. Um, they had seen him serve people, serve and have humility and care for needs of people and heal the blind and the sick and the lame and cast out demons. Um, and the ones that were the closest to him missed it the ones who were next to him every day for three years missed it so this should challenge us even if we've grown up in the church even if we've been around jesus and the the church and the christian faith it doesn't necessarily mean that we've totally got it we are like the disciples we miss it we our hearts are in bent we have the inward bent of the heart is what Luther said, that we seek ourselves and we seek self-promotion and we seek glory. We have the same problem as they did. And so this is why, you know, our hearts, like, you know, thinking about social media, we're so consumed about like Instagram views or likes, right, on Facebook. No, none of you guys have Facebook, um, but we're consumed with, did we get, did people look at it, right? Uh, why? Well, because we, we want some glory. We want some fame. Um, I have about eight people that listen to me on Spotify, but if it goes up into the teens, I'm always like, yeah, baby, I've got some new listeners. I've got listeners in, in Germany right now. I have no idea why they like crab pots, but they do. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> But the point is, is like we, we can get consumed about that. I remember the first time I got on Twitter and somebody like retweeted something. I was like in glory with my three followers. Um, so the, the, but the, but the issue is thinking about your life. Like, why can't we, why can't we be more verbal about our faith? Why can't we, um, recognize that like our roommates they need to hear about jesus and our family members my neighbor okay and what what is that it's 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 fear and we we don't want the glory of god we want we don't want to we, we want to keep our our own like uh safety and like be popular with with other people instead of being popular with god for his glory and so the disciples were inward they were they were bent just like we are. Um, and so um, 
Another example is when you look at a group photo that you're in, who do you look for first? Typically, it's yourself, right? Is my hair okay? Probably not. Um, you know, so we, but we're, we're so consumed about ourselves, right? And this is really what the, what this passage is showing. You know, it doesn't matter that Jesus is going to the cross. We want to sit on your left hand and right hand. Do this for us. Okay. So do you see that in yourself? This just desire to be all about self. Okay. The second thing is, um, we have to recognize that Jesus' mission, um, it's not, it's not what you're all about. Um, we need to re repent about our false ideas uh, of his mission because this is part of what the problem for the disciples were. And also, when we looked at John the Baptist some weeks ago, he had the same issue. Um, Jesus states his purpose plainly in this passage in verse four, 45. He says, his mission was to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Um, to serve and to get to lay down his life, to serve, to give his life a ransom for many. They were blinded by their desire, as we said, for rule and for power and for glory. And part of this is because um, they misunderstood, even after three years of ministry, the timeline for Jesus. They thought, as John the Baptist thought, was that Jesus, in his coming as the Messiah, was going to bring in the Davidic reign once again, and he was going to set up his kingdom now. And so I think when they heard, oh, you're going to Jerusalem, you're going to die and rise again in three days, well, we better get our request in because we want to be part of your administration. We want to be in your cabinet. We've been with you, man. We're in the entourage. Like, put us in those high-powered seats. It's a new administration coming in, Joe Biden. Who's going to be there, right? Okay, so they want to know. They want to be in those positions. Let's be part of this. We've hit the lottery. We hooked our, you know, we hooked up with the right guy. Well, they missed it. They missed it because... Jesus's mission was all about um, serving and was all about suffering and it was all about dying a substitutionary death for sinners. In fact, this idea of he came to give his life as a ransom for many really is connected back to the Old Testament, Isaiah 53, um, where Jesus uh, where Isaiah writes about the coming of Christ as this suffering servant, that he would be wounded for our transgressions, that he would be pierced for our iniquities, that he would be like a, a lamb, a silent lamb uh, before his shearers was silent, that he would humbly bow his head, basically, to be killed in order that God's purpose of redemption would stand. His ultimate mission was to die as the perfect Lamb of God for sinners. Here's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That he would be a substitute for sinners. Um, 
So in some ways, Jesus' mission, we, we can't do that. We can't be a substitute for sinners like Jesus was. We, we can't die, like our, to follow him and then go like set up a cross in your backyard and die on it is not following Jesus, okay? There's some religions I've heard that have done that kind of thing as a demonstration of suffering. No, the way we suffer and serve now is by dying to ourselves and laying down our life for others. But the salvation comes only through Jesus and what he did on the cross. And so um, the cross before the crown is what Jesus is saying. Humility before glory, death before resurrection. See, Jesus is giving us the pattern for the life of a Christian as well. It's a life of humility. It's a life of dying to yourself. And it's a life of serving other people, being humbled by God so that God can exalt you, as Peter talks about, not taking glory for yourself like the disciples wanted. The life of the Christian is one of sacrifice and service. This is why truly loving a person is going to take sacrifice. It's going to take time. You know, as you think about loving your parents or your family or, or roommates or neighbors. Um, how do you do that? You, you have to like get involved with them. You have to be a friend with them. You, it takes time. It takes the sacrifice of your time to be interested in another person and to lay down your will and your schedule to like, you know what, I'm going to make a commitment to get to know this person. I'm going to call this person. I'm going to seek to love this person. That sacrifice, all of that, it's not the sacrifice Jesus did on the cross, but that is sacrifice, and that's the model he shows us. Um, they, they uh, you know, Jesus talks about, he says, um, Jesus asked them, are you able to drink the cup that I drink or be baptized with which I am baptized? And then they said, we are able. They had no idea what they were talking about. Jesus is talking about the wrath the cup that he was going to take was the cup of God's wrath that Isaiah talks about. He was going to drink it to the dregs. And the baptism was the baptism of his death um, being, you know, uh, put asunder. Like the, the water of baptism, the, the, the judgment of God's wrath being poured out. Christ goes down and pays for it and dies. And, and God raises him back up. That's the baptism Jesus is talking about. So he uses this metaphor of wine and water. And that's why in the Garden of the Gethsemane, he says, like, you know, Lord, Father, let this cup pass, but not your not my will, but your will be done. And so Jesus is showing us the way of servanthood by his laying down his will and following the will of the Father. And this is what we're called to do as well. Um, my uh, old professor, Jerem Bars, I've been listening to his lectures again that I listened to way back in like 1993 or something. And, uh, and, I, and, and he said, you know, he said that the life of the minister and really the life of the Christian should be a life of servanthood, a life of humility. He said, if I come and visit your church, I'm not going to just, um, you know, listen to your sermons and like see how well you teach. 
I'm going to talk to the secretary and the, and the janitor and the, and the guys, the grounds crew. And I'm going to ask them, what kind of guy is this guy? Does he talk to you? Does he, is, you know, is, is he just brutal with you? Is he, you know, harsh or is he, you know, someone who loves and has humility and serves like Jesus served. Jesus came to serve. Remember John chapter 13 is when uh, the night before Jesus went to the cross, what did he do in the upper room with the disciples? He washed their feet. He did the very things that a slave, a servant, a household servant would do. Here's the king of the universe, the God who created everything, created them. He's coming and he's washing stinky, smelly feet. Why? Because he said, this is how you are to love one another. Um, and so Jesus is, is saying to John and James that you love, you, you need to serve. It's not about sitting on the right hand or on my left hand. In fact, only God, the Father, knows who is going to sit there. That you, this is not something even Jesus could assign, but only the Father. It shows something about Jesus's place in the Trinity. He was he was humble to his Father's uh, desires as well. Um, and so, you know, as you think about again, I want to just go back think about your personal relationships, the people around you. What do, you know, as they look at you, do they see a harsh person or a person that's uncaring or a person that's so consumed? with doing their thing, or do they see that person listens to me? That person um, wants to really know how I'm doing. You know, that person invites me to lunch or to dinner or, or whatever. Like, don't sit in the dining hall by yourself. Well, I mean, it's COVID, you might have to. But <laughs> in other times, you know, do they really, do they see your warmth? Do they, do they, do they are you an easy approachable person? You know, and guess what? None of us are perfect in this, but this is where we repent. This is where we say, God, form my character. Make me to love like Jesus loved. Um, but, you know, a good question to ask your friends and people that are close to you, and if any of you are dating, is do you listen well? Do you listen well? Or do you just keep talking? You like to hear yourself talk. Do you actually shut up, look at a person in the eyes, and listen to them. That takes a lot of strength. It's easier for some people personality-wise, but I'm telling you, to concentrate and listen to somebody is like, you, you. if you really think about it, you have to do a lot of energy to do that because you're always thinking about what I'm going to do next, right? Or you're thinking about that assignment or you're thinking about what you're going to say um, listening is, is servanthood. Listening is servanthood. So how do you get the power to change and to be a servant um, like Jesus was a servant and to be uh, to, to serve in humility? Well, you have to be served by Jesus. Jesus said, you know, I've come to, to, to serve and to lay down my life a ransom for many. Not to be served, but to serve. And so who did Jesus come for in this passage? Well, he came for stubborn disciples that wanted to sit at his right hand and left hand and have all the glory. 
He came for people like you and I who are consumed with ourselves and looking out for our own glory, right? He came for people running the totally opposite way. He came for tax collectors and sinners. He came for Pharisees at night that came to him. Um, Jesus came for sinners, for broken people, for people that are stubborn and arrogant. That's why we love the disciples. Why? Because we can relate to them. They're kind of like these bumbling, you know, ruffians going through life with Jesus and just messing up all the time. But Jesus came and loved them and died for them. And he loves us and he dies for us. And so what does it mean to be served by Jesus? It means you accept him. You, it means that his death on the cross means everything to you, that like you understand you're a sinner. You understand you need his grace and mercy and you bow your will to him and you say, Lord, I'm a sinner, but you have, you have died on the cross for me. Change my heart. Give me that new heart, that heart of flesh that desires to follow you and to love you and to love others. And the, what, so Jesus is going to the cross, right? That's the thing. He, he's going to Jerusalem to be arrested, to be condemned falsely, to be spit upon, to be mocked, to be flogged, to be killed on a Roman cross. And he did that for you and for I uh, and me. Um, he could have said enough, like, I can't do it anymore. These people are, are nuts. They're crazy. But his death is what changes us. His ultimate service is his substitutionary death on the cross and his resurrection. His humility is what changes us. It's what ultimately serves us. And so, you know, when you go to church, a lot of times people think, well, I'm going to church to serve God. And there's some truth to that. We, wanna, we want to serve the Lord and obey him by going to church. But you know what church is? And more than that, it's Jesus serving you. You know, when you go to church, you should just like have your mouth open because God is giving you his word, right? God is filling you up with all these praise and worship songs and you remember who you are in Christ. God is giving you his dinner, right? His, the Lord's Supper is Jesus serves the table. This is my body given to you. This is my bread. This is my, this is my, this is my, you know, the wine and the, and the bread are, are his, uh, his blood and his body broken for you. As you take in and eat, right? You are worshiping God and you're remembering what Jesus did for you. He is serving you. And so, um, I remember when I, when somebody like told me that idea, I was like, oh, that's different. I thought I was going to church to like serve God. And there's some truth to that, but ultimately you, you got to go to church because you need Jesus to serve you every week. And, you know, when you in the morning or in the afternoon or whenever you read the Bible, like Jesus is serving you, right? With his promises in the gospel. When you pray, God is, you know, the Lord is serving you because he, his ear is always there listening uh, to you. And so um, his service on the cross is what breaks our stubbornness and our glory seeking lives and so um and it changes us and it makes us people that want to serve and i want to close with this illustration i got i uh got an email from surge mission which is a mission agency a friend of mine works in 
And this is about some people that are ministering to Jesus in the Himalayas. And I thought it was such a powerful story. It's just a few paragraphs I'm going to read to you. But um, so here it is. A surge team regularly travels to villages in the Himalayan foothills. They bring practical help and preach the gospel. And many people have become followers of Jesus. At last count, there are 70 house churches in 50 villages. But these believers have undergone violent opposition. The team trained 10 local believers as evangelists, and now they travel around the region building these gospel communities. In the spring, they began receiving death threats from religious radicals. They took precautions, but in late June, one of the evangelists was killed by a mob. The police did nothing because converting to Christianity is against the law. But new believers from this village were undeterred and called another evangelist from the team. They told him, quote, even if it costs us our lives, we want to follow Jesus. Can you come to baptize us? A couple of weeks later, seven of them were baptized with 25 more waiting baptism. But there's more. A couple of months later, the gang's ringleader that killed the evangelist lost his job due to COVID. He had no savings and his family was starving. He heard of a, a Christian handing out food in his village and went to get food for his family. The man handling, handing out the food was the evangelist who returned to the village to baptize the seven new believers. The gang leader recognized the evangelist and desperately tried to hide his identity from him. But the evangelist recognized the man. He called him by name to the front of the line and gave the gang leader food for him and his family. The mercy shown to him undid the man and softened his heart. And he began, he's begun to ask questions about Jesus. So, these people, <laughs> these, this evangelist, these people have been served by Jesus. They, their lives have totally been changed, and they are just wanting to share this message, even in the midst of incredible persecution. But that's what, when you get a hold of Jesus serving you and dying for you, it changes your heart. It makes you want to serve. And so that's what, that's what it's all about. Jesus came to, to not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Let me pray. Lord, thank you for these uh, brothers and sisters, Lord. And we know it's been a weird evening with all the technical difficulties. But Lord, we know that your spirit is still alive. And um, Lord, I do want to pray for my family. I'm getting ready to have a family prayer call. And I just pray for Charlene and Chip and others that are suffering with COVID. And, and those two are in the hospitals. So God, I pray for miraculous healing and for the medicine to work. Uh, bless, bless everyone as they are, um, the semester is coming down. Give them willpower, perseverance, and strength. And we lift all this up in Jesus' name for his glory. Amen. Um, I think if you want to hang out, talk, and uh, chat, you're already on the Zoom. So um, anyway, good to be with you guys. Hope that uh, the Lord is ministering to you, and I know he is, and um, we'll, we'll uh, go on from here. Is there anything else I need to announce? No? Okay. All right.
Good night, guys. Keep praying for my family. I'm, we're going to be doing a big family uh, Zoom call here in about 15 minutes. So I'm going to I'm going to say I'll, uh, leave the, the meeting. So take care.